Hey guys, David, the healthness coach here, yet again with another episode. Today, I'm going to be answering some questions related to the training principles that I have come to develop over the years, as well as some of the beliefs that I have regarding fitness and health. So I'm hoping you guys enjoy this episode and hopefully I'll be able to teach you something. And as always, if you guys got questions, comments, concerns regarding your health and fitness, feel free to contact me via Instagram at healthness4cnd or via my email, healthness469 at gmail.com. So before getting into my principles as it relates to health and fitness, I'd like to give a shout out to two individuals. These two individuals are certainly the driving force of my success. Without these two individuals, I'd probably be under a box somewhere wondering what the hell to do with my life. Um, So I wanted to be able to take a moment to give a huge shout out to these two individuals. The first being, hands down, Jordan Shallow. Jordan Shallow is probably one of the biggest influences I've got related to applied biomechanics. I would say his knowledge is second to none when it comes to, I mean, anyone in the fitness industry, just based on on, on his knowledge and how he kind of figures out things from like a different perspective when it comes to the fitness industry. So if you guys, if you're a personal trainer and you really want to know the best person to follow or to look at, hands down, Jordan Shallow, 100%, highly recommended. He also runs his own podcast. It's called RDX Radio. I suggest that you guys follow him. He is amazing when it comes to training principles. And a lot of my knowledge has come from asking the right questions based on the knowledge that he's given out to people for free. I've also taken a course with him when I was training out of a bigger commercial gym and hands down, it was the best investment I could have ever made in my entire life. So without further humping this dude's leg, uh, go check him out. If you guys have a minute, Jordan Shallow, absolutely amazing. The second person that was a big influence in my success today, I'm not going to say his name, but he was my manager at a bigger commercial gym. Hands down, this gentleman, honestly, without him, I like I said before, I'd probably be under a box somewhere wondering what the hell to do with my life. He has allowed me to understand my own particular process. So anyone listening to this podcast, if you work at that bigger commercial gym and those who know, know, please give this gentleman a call. He will absolutely help you with your business and help you with process. We used to have like these um, meetings during the day. And for some reason, all the other trainers thought it was like a punishment or something. But it was like the knowledge that we would get as a collective was unparalleled to anything that I can ever pay for. And it's translated so well in my personal life and as well as with my business. So huge shout out. We're going to call him Joe. Um, but like I said, anyone who's in the know knows this gentleman, check him out. Absolutely amazing when it comes to the process. I think what makes me different as a personal coach trainer, uh, amongst the masses anyway, 
I don't have a ton of distractions in my life. I enjoy responsibility. I think I found peace with enjoying responsibility. That can be anything that is related to long-term happiness. As you've probably listened to my previous podcast on happiness, you may know I have a 15% rule. So I feel like the position I'm coming from is kind of different maybe than other people. Just from the fact that my distraction in life is related to my education regarding the work I love. 15% of the time I might spend, you know, maybe hanging out, uh, not really doing anything productive, but for the most part, I would say 85% of my time is finding fulfillment and enjoyment in things that are responsible. So one of those things being educating myself. So while everyone else is out probably partying or having a good time or wanting to kind of de-stress from their day, I'm kind of de-stressing with education. I'm not saying that you need to follow me, but I'm just saying that I'm coming from that position. So it doesn't make me better than anyone else. I think it's just, I love kind of what I do. And the relaxing time that I take for myself is to consecutively update my knowledge and consecutively do the research, both from a practical practical aspect and then also from like a, you know, academic uh, uh, perspective. So making sure that like I'm always up to date with what's going on and that I know that what I'm talking about is factual or as factual as it can be because no one has a hundred percent of the answers. You 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 kind of make a guess and your guess comes closer and closer and closer every time with the experience that you get to the right answer more or less. So I think that's kind of like the perspective that I'm taking. So anything that I'm saying here is not to say that anyone else's process or principles is worse or mine is worse or theirs is better, mine is better. This is just the process and principles that work for me, work for my business, it's worked for my clients, it's helped me be able to make sure that we're getting to where we want to go effectively, safely, that we're not injuring ourselves and that we're actually getting the most out of every single session that we do. So take this with a grain of salt. Yet again, if you're a new personal trainer, I invite you to use some of the principles I'm going to talk about or kind of some of the, some of the guidance and direction. But you still have to express yourself through your business, who you are as an individual. So that being said, I hope you guys enjoy the podcast and let me know if you have any questions. This information is most definitely not geared towards any person or individual who is trying to obtain a high level of skill like an athlete. An athlete is not necessarily looking to be healthy. They are trying to train or acquire the skill to top tier human physical performance. Not necessarily healthy. There's a lot of wear and tear on the body, but the approach that I would take with someone trying to obtain the best top tier physical performance in a specific skill would be entirely different from a you know position of function and from a position of of block training and things like that. So that being said, 
this is not for an athlete. It's not for a bodybuilder as well. A bodybuilder is probably not looking for a ton of function. They're just looking to, you know, increase as much metabolic stress as they can on a particular muscle group or a particular muscle. And they want to be symmetrical from like an apparent standpoint. So sure, these principles can work for those individuals from a starting point. If let's say it's like a young kid or something like that, that you know, it's kind of out of shape and they just want to be able to get some physical activity in and correct some imbalances before they start really pushing themselves to the boundaries of top tier human physical performance and really suffering some serious imbalances that preclude some sort of like, you know, possible injuries in the future. Then yes, sure, that, that can work for that individual. But like I said, this is not going to be for someone trying to attain an athletic skill. This is going to be allocated to my approach on how I would train the average Joe. You know, a regular person that has a family, nine to five, going to school, whatever the case is. That This is going to be allocated to my approach on how I would train this person. And I have a staple. It changes and varies depending, and I'll kind of get into it a little bit. But for the most part, this is the approach that I know works and I kind of use this as like a skeletal model for where I'm going to go with this person when it comes from, when it comes to an, you know, an exercise standpoint so that this person can be optimized. I find that like, if you take too many different approaches with too many different people, it's not palatable and it's hard to dictate like what's actually working and what isn't working so I kind of have like I said this skeleton and then from there we kind of deviate the variation as as to what we're going to be doing down the line I think there's a stigma when it comes to taking care of your health I think that kind of kind of gets lost in translation like everyone thinks or to a certain degree that okay well you know if I'm going to undertake a life of taking care of myself from a physical standpoint, it must mean that I'm trying to attain some sort of like appearance. The reality is, is when it comes to being healthy, it's, it's, it's not necessarily about having a six pack abs that sticks out at you from across the street. We need to change the perspective of what it actually means to be healthy. It's not the six pack And it's not lifting a million pounds either or doing like push-ups on like your two fingers. Like that's, that's not being, or that's not considered being healthy. If your goal is strictly appearance, my thought is, okay, maybe there's something more than the appearance here. Maybe there's something deeper in reality, right? That you, you probably need to deal with before starting to take on a, a lifestyle that could lead you to benefits aesthetically. Because the reality is, is, yeah, I get it. You know, you turn on social media, you turn on the internet, and it's like the social norms of being healthy is considered like you got to put on like a tight shirt or a bikini and look like you're a model that hates their life every single day to look like that. And that's not what it really is about. 
I would even go as far as to say that the way that I train myself isn't necessarily healthy. I like lifting very heavy weight and by heavy weight, like, you know, two times my body weight. And that's in itself not necessarily healthy either. I think the definition of what healthy is, is being capable of using your body in the way that it was intended to be used. To be able to understand, maybe not from like a mental standpoint, but like from a physical standpoint, the function of the muscles that you have and allow yourself to be able to do things and enjoy things that are physical in your life. And in the future, maybe you have things that you want to accomplish that are very physical. I think that's where the goal should lie. Because think about that. If you're able, if you have more ability to do things physically, your aesthetics change naturally over time. If we weigh in on how you look and what body fat percentage you have, it kind of becomes that thing of like, okay, like now we're not really training for anything other than that aesthetical look. And it's really hard to train someone for something when their their goal is strictly aesthetical. If you're a person that can move within all these different planes of movement with really good function and move in the way that your body was intended, you're probably not overweight. You probably don't get tired very fast, right? You're probably not winded fast either. And so understanding like, you know, we're like these biped creatures that are walking on two feet, like understanding like how do we actually incorporate function in our day-to-day life and understanding like how does that kind of translate into having, you know, that body that we want. Now, listen, look, I get it. Like I said, once again, like having that six pack abs might be the dream based on societal norms, but you have to find out and figure out what are your goals? What are your goals? What are your goals that relate to you being happy, doing physical activity every day or more often than not? That's the thing. Is it playing a sport? Is it, you know, for leisure? Is it um, being able to do the work that you do if you have a job that's very physical? Is that being able to do that effectively? Is it being able to play with your kids? Is it being able to carry groceries? Or what? what is it, right? There has to be something that you want to be able to do physically, consecutively, and enjoy doing it. That should be the goal. I know it sounds like I'm telling individuals what their goal should be. But if your goal is strictly aesthetical, for me, right? Like you can have like a Ferrari and then have like a Honda Civic engine in the Ferrari. Even the interior of the Ferrari is like a Honda Civic. Like I I think I saw this thing on YouTube where these guys like they built an actual model of a Ferrari and in the inside, it's a guy like riding a bike. You know, it's like some people don't mind that. Like some people wouldn't mind looking the way I look and not be able to perform the things that I can do. That's entirely okay. If that's your goal, 
for me, I mean, I wouldn't suggest surgery because, you know, it's probably not from a long-term perspective, but I mean, hey, some people don't really mind, you know, having the short-term happiness and that's really what they want. So in that case, getting surgery might be the better option, right? Get some surgery or whatever, take some, I don't know. I heard like in Russia, might be a lie. I'm not too sure. You guys can let me know if this is the truth. But apparently in some places in Russia, steroids is is legal. You, you know, you can go live in Russia for a little bit and go get yourself some steroids. And there you go. Bam, you've got the body you want, right? So the thing is, is if, if your goal is strictly aesthetical, you got to ask yourself, like, am I doing this thing of the lifestyle change with my nutrition, my health, my fitness, my exercise, like my sleep? Like, am I doing all of this stuff? Because I just want to look like what I think people will accept me as? Or is it really because I want to be able to enjoy physical activity and be able to be consistent enough with it, with that enjoyment of physical activity to be able to solicit a physical change. It's like even myself, like sometimes I pass the mirror, mirror and I'm like, oh, wow, that's what I look like. Because someone will tell me, like, man, you look like you're jacked, right? Or something. And I'm like, like, I don't really notice it because I'm not really gauging like how I look. I gauge by what I do. And I find so much more satisfaction engaging what I'm able to do because those results are so much faster to see than like the aesthetics. The aesthetics take a long time. You could be doing the best thing perfectly for like three, four or five months and still not see a tremendous change. And that doesn't mean that you're doing the wrong thing. It's just everyone's body's different. Sometimes, you know, based on like your genetic predisposition, you might not be able to lose a tremendous amount of, of body fat that quickly. And sometimes it's like, you know, it took you like 20 years to get to where you are. And it's like three months is not going to change that. Doing the right thing for three months is not going to change that. So the number one thing is, like I said, changing your perspective on what you believe health and fitness to be. Health and fitness is certainly not having a six-pack abs or being able to do these outrageous things like balancing on one leg while riding a unicycle and doing bicep curls. That's some, that's, that's, sorry, excuse my language, but that's some bullshit, right? <laughs> that's not healthy, okay? Being healthy is being able to do things, like I said, that you can enjoy every day that's physically, you know, that puts you in a position where you are physically active, more often than not in the week and that you enjoy that. And over time, you start to see aesthetical benefits. Hopefully, I'm able to kind of reach someone with that because I, I, I think there's a lot of people that are misguided as to what being healthy is. So from that standpoint, and understanding where my perception lies when it comes to being or when it relates to being healthy, hopefully that will kind of like tag on and kind of like attach itself to the process that I have in place that actually help people get aesthetical results. So when it comes to training a client to get them where they want to go, the forefront of my thought process is I need to get this person to move as their body was intended. If I know that if I can do that, that I can open 
a plethora of doors for this person to be able to do activities that they enjoy. If the goal is to ultimately get someone to lose weight, what do we need to get them to do? We need to get them to be able to stay consistent enough with physical activity for them to solicit a change. And so, like I said, the forefront of my thought process is to make sure that this person can move the way that their body was intended. And this is going to allow them to be able to do activities that they can enjoy and stick to. Once I'm confident that a person moves effectively, we don't necessarily look at, um, you know, what the next stage is in the training process at the gym. We look at what is the next stage of what you can do that you enjoy. Now, if that's the gym and you enjoy the gym and you want to take, you know, your training with me to the next level, then, then, then we do that or you have a different goal. But if you move very well and this allows you to be able to do a ton of activities that you can enjoy day by day or more often throughout the week, I can feel very confident that you will change over time and you will be happy seeing that change because you're going to be happy doing the activity, the activities that you enjoy. And then you won't feel as tired. You won't feel like you can't do the activity and then you know, more importantly, you know, worst case scenario, we are going to prevent potential injuries that can happen. So that is at the forefront of my thought process is this person needs to be able to move as their body was intended. I think the number one thing is that we get wrapped up in, okay, which exercise should I be doing with this person and which muscle group does it work? And for me personally, I used to look at it this way. I feel like it's a backwards way of looking at a project or at a person that you want to get them to the, get them results and get them to their goal. The reason being is that if as trainers, fitness coaches, we can look at figuring out what is the function of a particular muscle, what is the function of a particular muscle group or joint? This allows us to understand exercise selection. The problem is that I feel like most people, maybe not just trainers in the industry, most people look at exercise selection like it's a ride at a park or something or like Disney World. Like, I want to try that one. That looks very fun. And this, in reality, is kind of like, you know, throwing darts at like an empty target, like a target that's not there, Right. You want to be as close to the target as possible and you want something that's palatable, right? So the reality is, is if we can start to look at the effectiveness of movement, you know, maybe not just single joint movements, but multi-joint movements, compound movements, and figure out how can we integrate this into this person's program to see not only where the breakdowns are happening, but based on the way that their body's moving, how can we effectively get them to be able to move the way that their body was intended? I typically tend to stick to the primal movements. I feel like more often than not, these are movements that people are already doing outside of the gym anyways. So why not teach them to apply that in the best manner for their body? And it's a multi-joint movement, compound movement, right? So at the end of the day, it's allowing them to understand how to 
apply load from a kinetic standpoint. And this puts them in a position where they start to feel better and they start to recognize how to effectively use their body. And it just allows them to be able to make sure that they don't have any sort of like structural limitations uh, in their day-to-day life, which I'll get into a little bit later. But effectively, primal movements are typically what I use with the regular nine-to-fiver. And I make sure that, of course, um, that when I'll do an assessment, that I tackle exactly where the limitations are and we overcome those over time. And then that's where, you know, I start to feel a lot more confident in their ability to be able to sustain physical activity and yet again, get to where they would like to go um, from, an, from a standpoint of happiness and being completely satisfied uh, day by day. As it relates to fitness programming, I usually look to obtain a palatable system that works for each specific individual that I meet. Before doing that, though, my first thought process is related to a couple of very specific areas. The first being that I need to know if this person has any sort of mechanical limitations. What I mean by that is two things. The first, are they born with some sort of limitation that will hinder their ability to move effectively, like scoliosis? The second being, are they currently recovering from an injury or have sustained an injury in the past that also may limit their ability to execute movements effectively? I feel like this is like the most important part for me to know as it allows me to know if I'm fully capable of helping that specific individual. I may not have the credentials or I may not have the experience to be able to fully and confidently know that I can get this person where they want to go. So it's so important that I understand um, where we're starting from a mechanical limitation standpoint. The second area that I look at is are there any technical limitations? Now, of course, this is my area of speciality as it relates to three fundamental specifics that, of course, are my fundamental uh, knowledge and skill uh, as it relates to fitness. That being the ability to create tension from a flex position, which essentially would be mobility uh, or a functional range position. Stability, the ability to resist force or control rotation. And strength, the ability to generate and or exert force. So ideally, I need to be able to make sure that this person is allowing themselves the opportunity to be able to move as their body was intended. So it's so important that I understand and process what are their mechanical and technical limitations. This, in turn, allows me to program a plan that will get them to be able to use, as I said, their body as it was attended and essentially get them to get to a point where they can do activities that allow them to feel fulfilled and happy, all while attaining any sort of aesthetical results that they might be looking to achieve. Side note, I thought it would be very important for me to mention this specific topic, and it usually cracks me up I was listening to a podcast and I'm not going to say the names or the name of the particular podcast but they were claiming as biomechanic specialists that they have the ability 
or that they were insinuating that they have the ability to change someone's resting posture. So resting posture is essentially what a person looks like while at rest. So if while at rest, your shoulders are rounded, that could be your resting posture. To make a claim that you can structurally change someone's resting posture is almost like saying that you're either capable of changing someone's skeletal bone structure or that they somehow have the God-given gift to change muscle fiber direction. I'm only speculating on why I think the belief they have on how they can change someone's resting posture is based on those things just because I think it's ridiculous. I think they don't really have the answer. They they, they either have God's ability or they've lost their damn mind. This also translates into the claim that they also made that they're able to change or correct scoliosis, like the actual bone structure of like scoliosis. Like the idea that you can train someone in and out of resting posture is preposterous. Like, sure, if you have rounded shoulders with a flexed thoracic spine, if you happen to learn how to breathe effectively, that can change over time. It can improve over time. But what you're not doing is training someone into a different skeletal bone structure position. That that just doesn't make any sense. If this were the case, then every single person can then hire these guys, okay? Get them to shift their skeletal bone structure into a way that everyone bone structure would be exactly the same. And then we can all have textbook versions of how to squat and deadlift. <laughs> I mean... A, a, a small portion of my job would probably not be needed in that in that case. So it's absolutely ridiculous. The, the real area to look at as it relates to movement is what someone's active posture looks like. I'm going to do a podcast on misconceptions in the future, but how someone looks doing a movement doesn't necessarily dictate whether they are doing the movement effectively or not. It's also, a, it's, it's just like a combination of being able to identify an actual issue and how they felt while per- performing the task. So as it relates to posture, the area that we should, as trainers, look at and pay attention to is what does this person's active posture looks like? Like, what does it look like while they're moving, while they're trying to exert force, or while they're trying to do some form of cardiovascular conditioning training? Like, what does their posture look like? We can absolutely improve on active posture but the claim that we can change bone structure with exercise is complete nonsense so back on my personal training principles i believe that my number one job is accountability there are two different types of accountability the first one is accountability with frequency the second is accountability with intensity And without both of these forms of accountability no matter how much knowledge an individual has It'll be damn near impossible for them to get where they want to go. So as it relates to frequency, that really depends on the individual that's in front of of me. Usually, people that come to see me are typically the 9 to fivers that haven't worked out in a very long time or they don't necessarily know or have the knowledge to be able to apply certain principles that allow them to get to where they're trying to go safely and quickly. Or they've probably just never worked out in their life before. If that's the case, typically I'll recommend that the that a prospect train with me at least for a minimum of four days per week. And there's a few reasons why. 
The first reason as it relates to exercise is that this person needs to stimulate mobility and stability at least three times in a week to solicit a change. Otherwise, we find ourselves in a position where this person ends up regressing back to where they were. And also, due to super compensation, this person should not have more than a 48-hour break between training sessions. Otherwise, once again, they'll more than likely regress back to where they started. So, at four days a week, there's no chance to fail because there's no way that we can schedule a period where they're not training for more than 48 hours in that week. We got to make sure that we're stimulating the muscles frequently enough to stimulate a change as quickly and as safely as possible. And by change, I'm talking about metabolic stress and your body's ability to not only change aesthetically, but also to be able to perform the tasks at optimal performance. Because, you know, you want to be able to track what's happening each and every single week. And that's the amazing thing about four days a week is that you can start to see results week by week. You don't have to wait two or three, four months before you start seeing results. You're tackling the muscle groups and tackling tasks so frequently that you're able to see results week by week. The second reason, uh, probably more psychological in nature, as you expose yourself to something more often in the week than not, it becomes a part of who you are versus just a chore that you do. It's kind of like taking a shower. If you took a shower, you know, once a week or once a month, you'd probably be able to go very long not taking a shower. It's just, it wouldn't be something that's habitual for you. But if you took a shower every single day, on that one day that you didn't take a shower, you might, it might feel weird for you, right? You might be like, I didn't take a shower today and like you feel dirty and this and that, right? So from a psychological perspective, you want to be able to expose yourself to the thing that you want to accomplish more often in the week than not. The third reason is repetition. If we're trying to execute movements effectively, we're going to be attempting to acquire the skill of movement and to be able to perfect, maybe not perfect, but get as close as we can to being able to perfectly execute a movement in a way that you feel it, the way that it should be felt. It's going to take a certain level of, like I said, skill and repetition. We need to do those movements over and over so that you start to be capable psychologically, mentally, physically, able to connect with your body and the movements that you're doing. It's, it'll go up tremendously in terms of your progression and how you're able to execute these movements because it, it's, it's like an acquired skill. It's something that you have to do frequently. It's just kind of like going to school, right? Like if you're trying to, you know, get an, you know, attain an academic skill, and you want to be able to be very good at it and become an expert, you're going to need to put in more than a few hours each week of repeatedly looking at the information and exposing yourself to the information and practicing the skill that it would take in order to be able to perfect the abilities that you're trying to get academically. So it also relates in the same way with exercise. The fourth reason comes from a lifestyle accountability position. If you're seeing someone frequently throughout the week as it relates to health and fitness, the chances of you 
being able to fall back on some of the habits outside of the sessions are slim to none, especially if you're training with a trainer like me who consistently at the beginning of each session asks you, how did you sleep last night? What did you eat? And I'm holding you accountable to some of the things that we've talked about regarding eating better um, and sleeping well. Then we're going to be putting ourselves in a position where it's like, oh, I got to go in and train with David. So if we haven't done certain things in a way that we've agreed upon, then we look to improve on it the next day. And if you're seeing me the next day, then chances are you're going to be in a position where you will likely do it. So I find that this frequency is certainly good for the nine to fiver, especially the person, like I said, that hasn't worked out in a very long time and probably never worked out before. It allows them the opportunity to be able to get to where they want to go as safely and as quickly as possible, but also to be able to acquire the skill necessary to be able to execute these movements. It's actually much more complicated than in terms of like the skill itself. It's not complicated, but I would say that the average person that I meet would say, wow, this is a lot harder than I thought it was in terms of being able to adapt that mind-muscle connection. So being able to get the repetitions in, being able to be capable of having that accountability as it relates to intensity and frequency is so important to your success. Now, in terms of how long the duration of the four days a week is required, it really depends on the individual. If I see that I'm able to get this person to a point where they can actually understand the intensity for them that's going to work and solicit a change, we can start bringing down the frequency. So the the way that I do, not the frequency, the intensity, the way that I do that would be like, I would just come into the session and then I would just tell them the specific exercise. So by then, you know, we would know exactly which specific exercise is what. And I would say, do this position or do this movement. And I can tell based on usually facial expression or if they're shaking if they're doing the exercise at the right intensity. I'll also know if they're ready to drop their frequency with me, if I'm giving them homework to do outside of our training sessions and they're able to get it done. If I ask, if I'm like, okay, we're working out at four days a week, so what I want you to do is take a walk on a fifth day. If we're not able to do that, chances are, If we drop our frequency, we might not be able to uphold our end of the bargain as it relates to to frequency. So once I start seeing that this person is able to do things on their own, then I'm able to track down that frequency just a bit and then track it even further, kind of downgrade just a little bit further as this person starts to wheel off and be capable of doing the things that they need to in order to solicit a positive change for where they're trying to go. I'll do another podcast in the future with regards to my take on periodization and what I do for my clients moving forward after they've been able to um, acquire the skill of movement. Usually by this point, a client has been able to move fairly well with progressive load, including being able to uh, apply resistance to the movements. So 
once they're able to do that and they have a specific goal that they're trying to hit with regards to those primal movements, then we take it to the next level. I hope that I was able to shed some light on some of my training principles. And I think it's so important that, you know, if you're a personal trainer, try to understand the function of muscle groups if that's not something you're already doing. Like it's so important that instead of looking at what exercise trains what muscle or which stretch to do what, it's so important that as trainers that we understand the function, the full range of motion for each muscle group, how to be able to make sure that we are applying load in the best possible way for our body is so important. It helps. It helped me with regards to how I was able to help all of my clients get to where they want to go and be able to even succeed me in movement and be able to do this for the rest of their life. I've had clients that have been able to train on their own and we don't train anymore and it's like, hey, how are you? And I'm completely gratified. I think the number one thing that makes me feel so fulfilled at my job is when I'm able to give somebody something that they can take with them and make their own and be successful with it. It's so fulfilling. It's like the analogy I use is this. I would prefer that if I, let's say if I was a millionaire, if I gave someone $2 million, I think I said this in another podcast. If I gave someone $2 million and they came back and told me, okay, I bought a couple of cars and a house and clothes and whatever, yada, yada, yada. Like, sure, I'd be pretty happy for them. Great, it made them happy. But if I gave them $2 million and they came back and told me, David, you gave me $2 million and with that $2 million, next year I'm making another $3 million. The year after that, I'm projecting another $10 million. The year after that, that's so much more fulfilling to me. It's like I've, I've started you on a journey that allowed you to be able to be and attain success on your own. And that is so fulfilling to me. I love being able to help a multitude of people and being able to get them to be efficient and self-sufficient as it relates to exercise and health and fitness. It's so important to me. If you're a new personal trainer and you're looking for information and you're and you want to understand my training principles, I I'm open to having a conversation with you. You can feel free to contact me at any time. Um, I love what I do and I love talking about it. Anyone that works in the same place that I do knows how much I love fitness, exercise, and movement. So I'm open to being able to talk to anyone that will be willing to reach out. Also, if you're just a person that you know wants to learn these principles on your own and you want to be able to tap into them and kind of get some advice, once again, I'm open to having that conversation. So I hope you guys enjoyed this podcast uh, as it was as quick as I can possibly make it. And as always, if you have questions, concerns with regards to your health and fitness, feel free to contact me via my Instagram, healthness4cnd, or via my email, healthness469 at gmail.com.